When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Podcast. Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's Mall Over Podcast. The only local podcast gives you the news, views, and opinions on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Mall Over Podcast. We are Mall Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook. And you can find all of our podcasts and content on Anchor and Apple Podcasts and lots of other podcast repositories. Uh, you might remember us from such content such as uh, Jacko Piper's Sex Whistle, um, Dave Ribbons, Rave Ribbons, and Rhinax Wine Racks. I mean, that's what we're famed for, right? That's the sort of shit that we really, you know, we we hang our hat on. And most recently, you know, I feel like the podcast has been drifting along in a uh, a shit show of lackluster rugby, um, which is nearly coming to an end. So, you know, let, let's move on. I'm joined this evening by uh, the nicest man in Cornish rugby podcasting that lives just outside of Newquay in a place near Goonavon. That's Ben Eustace. I very much live in a place that is Goonhaven. <laughs> so I, I was trying to I was trying to be generic as well as extremely specific. But you actually physically in Goonhaven. I thought you were just on the the periphery. I'd, I'd say we were on the. I, I'd call it New Goonhaven. No, it's very posh. Yeah, uh, it's it's, uh, I, it's well, it's the other side of the garden centre. If that means anything to anybody that's listening. Love that. Uh, Love that. Yeah. The, the other, other side of the garden centre. Yeah. Pretty much everywhere in Cornwall. Yeah, um, not a euphemism, that, either. <laughs> oh, yeah. Old Phil Elkins, he's the other side of the garden centre. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you could talk about him, because he's not yeah. here. He was planning on being here, the old the, the housewife's favourite. Um, but, unfortunately, uh, his, his significant other has been called <laughs> out to some kind of equine emergency. I think the uh, I think she's going to shut the gate after the horse has bolted, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Um, and also, uh, our resident uh, sports videographer and all round uh, great guy I'm, who's here to I, talk all I, things. I'm not a videographer. Right, Students are videographers, mate. What are you I'm, then, mate? I'm a professional cameraman. Okay, uh, sports sports cameraman. Uh, all-round great guy, uh, newly um, self-proclaimed king of Hunt Stanton Golf Club, whatever, wherever he plays. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Doug Andrews, Chinese lensman. How you doing, mate? Keeping it real, mate. Keeping it real. Um, so, as I say, as I said in the intro, we tried to record. It Was it two weeks ago we tried to do a record? And it was made quite significant, obviously, that it was that shit that we decided not to put it out. Um, I'm going to endeavour for that not to happen tonight. And even if it quite probably will be shit, at least we'll have some energy about it. Are you, are you guys all right with that? I'm all right with that. Um, 
I can't imagine it was as bad as we were making it out. But, I mean, if you're saying it was, then it must have been. I mean, you know, for me, and I'm a bit, a bit of a... I know you're a perfectionist, Russ, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely a perfectionist. And, you know, I like things to be uh, just the way they are. Um, perfect. Perfect. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the irony. Um, let, so the premiership season is all done and dusted, thankfully. Um, finally. It feels like it's been going on forever. It's not, but, um, is it? It's not, is it? Well, this, uh, no, you're right. It's not. It's not. Um, should we get into that now before we start talking about all the other stuff? Should we just talk about that first? Because it affects yeah. your team, Doug. You know more than more than any of anybody else's. And I know you're, you know, getting rapidly towards apathy with the Northampton Saints. However, you know, good result for us, really. Twenty, 20 nil. Uh, recent, recent recent results. Yeah. So I, I've seen a few interviews on BT Sport and, and different bits and pieces with different people. And the whole thing with Northampton is that they couldn't, basically, they couldn't compile a squad based on their game against Sale in the um, the Premiership Cup final the other week. They could then not field a squad because a large number of their players were isolating they asked for dispensation from Prem Rugby and they talked about all sorts of other stuff about getting players in on loan, um, none of which was possible. So they had to forfeit the game, um, which is kind of contradictory to what Prem Rugby have said, because they said that Northampton didn't try and get anybody in on loan. What, you know, a shit show is probably a fair summation of it, isn't it? Yeah. But what evidence are you going off to suggest that it would have been anything else ever? No, true story. The <laughs> um, Saints finally gave in and actually decided that they weren't going to pretend anymore and that they are, once they lost that European semi-final, literally just mailing it in. If you, I, I reckon if you'd have given the opportunity to have qualified for the quarterfinals of the European Cup, but lost every premiership game 20 nil, knowing that they weren't going to finish below eighth. They'd have taken it. They'd have probably snapped your hand off because at least none of their props would be injured. I think most premiership teams would, wouldn't they? For guaranteed um, Champions Cup rugby next season. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, they, they, finished, in, they finished in seventh. So even handing Gloucester that win... They knew that they were going to be. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cost them nothing. I don't think. I don't think Worcester can catch us, can they? Worcester can't. Uh, the the points difference is is quite significant for Worcester. I think they've got Worcester are four points behind Gloucester, so with a five point win potentially. So if 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 Sale decide tomorrow when all these tests come back that they cannot field a squad and have to mail it in, then Worcester will qualify uh, in with a five-point win and a 20-0 a 20, um, 20 victory. But also that would mean Bath finish up in the top four. Um, where I find it really, really hard to believe is, is I listened to Phil Wynn Stanley on, on Rugby Tonight, and I listened to Steve Diamond, who... Well, that's another story. Um, who they would say, oh, you know, all we've done is is taken advice from Public Health England. I didn't know what the, the testing protocol was in the, in the Premiership specifically, but apparently they had a test um, on the Thursday before their Saturday, um, on the Thursday after a midweek match. They then played, it was then six days until they played Northampton in the um, in the cup, but after that test, the after that Thursday test, they had no positives apparently, and then what they recorded one false negative, or they were told that one of them that one of the tests that came back negative was actually a positive. 
So when that came back, they did all the isolation. They they did everything that needed to be done and the track and trace and stuff. But they still what, think that what they, they were need able... is two positives, one to cancel out the negative. <laughs> but then they 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 went on because they had enough players and and all of the negative tests to play Northampton. And then the following round of testing, which was the following Thursday, was when they had sixteen then positive tests. But they could still field a full squad of 23 apparently it was Worcester and public health England that were were reticent to play the game which doesn't make any sense to me considering both teams were have stuff to play for and even more so now with Northampton and Gloucester being um cancelled what do Worcester have to play for well Worcester can finish eighth can they Russ didn't you didn't you the, the key part of that whole story was Public Health England didn't want them to play. Yeah, so then it should have just been cancelled. Exactly, yeah. I mean, and Premiership Rugby should have taken it out of the hands of the clubs well, and said... I mean, I, I thought that it was all pretty much set in stone that if a club had a certain amount of positives, they had to cancel the game anyway. Well, well this is this is the loophole they're, they're use, say, using to get out of it, which is they're saying, well, sale declared that they could safely play the game with a squad of 23, but they never actually named their squad. They didn't name that squad with Academy players and Dorian West propping. Um, <laughs> they, they just said, we can, we can safely play this game. It's Worcester's choice not to risk it. So that to me, it screams more about sale not necessarily playing by the rules than when everybody else when everybody else does and the whole thing about the the squad naming at the same time and would have given other teams a, a an unfair advantage and you know as it transpires you know Bath are now in a position where depending on what Sale do no one can prepare for the Premiership no one can prepare for the the game against Exeter at Sandy Park next week because nobody knows what's going on with Sale. I mean, the larger point is that it doesn't matter who plays at Sandy Parks that week. They're going to get their asses ripped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's the thing. If Sale do decide, if so, if if Sale get the win, the their first team squad or the the play or the players that were due to play on Wednesday against Worcester would have to be the same players that played against Exeter, because all of the other players that tested positive would be in isolation, wouldn't they? They wouldn't be able to play. Yeah. So yeah. if and if it is a team of academies and a sprinkling of others, then that really is a team that's going to get their absolutely welted at Sunday Park. It's I just mean, a farce, isn't it? I mean, I've got to say, I didn't. I took hardly any notice of this because it's just. I'm just a bit sick of it. It's like with every issue now, everyone just has to complain. So. It doesn't matter what it is in rugby. People complain and take a side based on their team. And I can see it when, it, if it's such an on-pitch incident, I can see it. But people are now basing their views on an epidemic based on which rugby team they support. Well, you, actually, but it's a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> you say pandemic, I say epidemic. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, you know, you had sale fans saying, oh, you know, who... Who who are you to deny these players their dream and stuff like that? And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, is their dream is their dream to get dry bummed by Exeter yeah. at Sandy Park yeah. on a Thursday night? <laughs> while while they've got a sore throat, it, it's just, <laughs> and you know, and I just think this is exactly where this season was always going to end. They would have been better off just just finishing it at the point where the season finished. And and the next time, you know, and, and if you wanted to take this player welfare route that we hear so much about, this would have been a golden opportunity to give all of those players 12 months off. And so the next time someone is is banging on about a high tackle and player welfare, I just don't want to hear it because, you know, they could have given them six to 12 months off. But but where's the player welfare hasty, where though, they're all, where they're yeah, rusty and they can't play? Welfare? Cameraman welfare, yeah, that's videographer welfare. Yeah, <laughs> hey, mate, the tennis is still going on. Yeah, 
Oh, but the, but the, but sadly, the women's cricket is finished. <laughs> Do you know, there was a thing on Facebook the other day, and it went, it says something like, outstanding from whoever the bowler was. And it was a spin bowler, and she bowled three balls that went straight on. And the West Indian batters just missed every single one. They just swiped through across the line and missed them all. Not one of them span. Three wickets. Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely outstanding. Uh, one of the, the well, the thing that was going around when I got there was that there was a ball bowled in the second T Twenty that was at, uh, clocked at thirty-eight miles an hour, <laughs> which I think is pretty much impossible to make bounce, isn't it? That's like <laughs> that must have been the epitome of a moon ball. That must have gone. <laughs> that must have gone at least forty foot in the air for it to reach the batsman <laughs> on the on the on the full. Anyway, right. Rugby. Well, let's be honest. All this would be a pretty much a moot point if um, Cow's opinion. I can't see that. Sorry, Doug. just pouring a boon of having. <laughs> um, it it would have pretty pretty much been a moot point if um, Bath had turned up for the last twenty minutes. Oh, the Saracens were always going to do something to uh, ruin someone's day, weren't they? That's their mo. So, so what we're saying is, it, it's pretty much Saracens' fault that we're in this position we're in now. Because if because if Bath had won the game, everything would have been put to bed. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and to be fair, Bath started really well. But yeah. I mean, you've you've segued nicely into that, Ben. Well, and let's that, let's talk was, about that Bath. Was, that was the Sorry, idea. Shall we? <laughs> that was the idea. Um, yeah, I mean, let's, let's get off the controversial stuff. I mean, they wet the bed, didn't they? Basically. Um, and and Saracens, well, Doug's right. They they like they wanted to spoil the party, and um, as soon as they scored to make it seventeen ten, I think that was inevitable that that was going to happen. I think it's almost. I'm not even that disappointed because I think that would be quite good ammunition for Bath next season. Just just look back at at that game and learn from it and use it as a motivation um and we might 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 as well win something in a season that counts to be quite to be quite honest um i think they've got the basis of a good side there um i think hooper's kind of hooper's built it in his own image a little bit but um, whoa 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 whoa. that's english for stop a horse (laughs) what exactly is hooper built I think he's built a side that's solid up front. So who's he brought in? Um, Well, they've brought in um, quite a lot of that front row, haven't they? Stuart, Boyce, Judge. Um, You've brought in uh, McNally, Stook. Hooper didn't bring Stook. I think Stook was there before that. Not been there that long, has he? He was at Gloucester before, wasn't he? I'd, I'd argue that he hasn't really brought anyone in. He's just... Reaping the benefits of having a fit squad. I mean, that's true as well. Um, and yet they've brought some good youngsters through and bought, bought some good youngsters as well. So let's I be honest, ben, ben Spencer has a sign in pretty the much single-handedly revolutionised Bath as, a, as an organised force. Yeah. And he seems to be now getting the best out of Reese Priestland as well. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, they've they've got a, it's the first time they've had a competent scrum half for well since that season where Foto Ali was uh, actually yeah. right. Because Chris yeah. Cook's car crash. Yeah. Who else did they have? They had Chudley. Oh, yeah, Chudley's four hundred. Yeah. I mean, I thought um, Spencer's Spencer's box box kicking is is amazing, but I just think Spencer in general was very good. Yeah, he's not just box, the box, box kicking, chicken's it. bound to be amazing because that's all they do at Saracens. Oh, exactly. It's like um, those little Sabutio corner takers. You just push their head and they box kick. <laughs> Richard Wigglesworth, the most predictable scrub up in the history of the game. Yeah. I think they've, they've got the basis of, of something there. And I think next season they're definitely going to be in with a shout. Um, but they need to learn how to close out a game. And Saracens know how to do that. Um. Yeah, it was a shame, but I'm not 
too cut up about it. I mean, Wasps have been brilliant since the comeback. Since the comeback, Exeter, obviously best team in the league, probably. If you if you discount the relegated team, and then. And then Bristol... I, I don't think they, I mean, as an Esther <laughs> fan, I don't think there's any, I don't think there is any, um, even with Saracens at full strength, I think it's touch and go. I think as a team, Exeter are better than Saracens. Saracens have a, a group of far better individuals, but I think like over the last season, uh, Exeter are probably better in general. Let's ask the more important question, though. What's more racist? The team name Saracens or the logo of Exeter? Ooh. But we're not allowed to talk about Saracens. Can we put a poll up on Twitter about that? What's more racist? <laughs> what do people hate more? Saracens or the Exeter logo? Are we gonna Was it the, or- the origin of the word Saracen? That's the one. Are we going to get back into like the Shrewsbury SS and the that, that came up a few weeks ago? <laughs> Gloucester Gestapo. <laughs> yeah. That was very good. Yes. Um, was that was that from the was that from the Lost Pod? No, that was a few weeks ago. It's when we were talking about the Crusaders. Oh yeah. Because yeah, that's yeah. Pro- that's arguably the worst of the lot. <laughs> that's true. I mean, which, which 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 rugby team would go on to dominate the world? I mean, the Gloucester Gestapo would certainly do it in a yeah. fairly non-traditional I way. I still think, person for person, the Bath Party committed more atrocities. <laughs> the Scarlets could the, the the Scarlets could change their name to the Khmer Rouge, couldn't they? <laughs> Uh, yeah. I'm trying to. Sh- I'm trying Esther to shoehorn just the Viet- go for the Tamil Tigers. <laughs> I'm trying to shoehorn the Viet Cong in here somewhere, but I'm going to have to think about it. <laughs> There's got to be some Cornish team down there, and there with a Kong in their name. <laughs> well, if not, I can make one. Yeah, do the V or Viet Cong? The V or the V or Kong? Kong. <laughs> the V or Kong. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty that is amazing. I mean, I mean, to be fair, the pirates. I mean, yeah, not I mean, without their friendliness, were they pirates? No, floating rapists, as I once heard them described. <laughs> as. <laughs> oh, this is see, this is better. This is why people come to them all over. Yeah, <laughs> floating the, pirates. The the floating, and rapists, the floating pirates. <laughs> amazing. Um. Back to some kind of rugby. The uh, so, but, uh, I just keep thinking of floating rapists. Um, I mean, can we use that as a, a title for the pod? I don't know. Probably yeah. not. Um, but the, the draw against Harrison's actually puts Bath three points ahead of Sale. So, regard if Sale Sale need to win on Wednesday. Um, I don't think with with Worcester being able to to catch, oh no, they, ah they can't, can they? I thought they could, but they actually they can't. They could catch Northampton, but they need like a hundred point swing. That's right, because I'm looking depends. at it just depends, looking, doesn't it? Like who've Sale got? If they all suddenly don't have COVID, then they're going to win, aren't they? But they could still be putting out Steve Diamond's auntie yet i was still looking at a table that had did didn't have the 20 point gloucester win on it so yeah it's it's very difficult northampton have got minus 109 points difference and worcester have got minus 200 so uh, a five point victory with a, a, a 90 point swing would, would just about do it um so feasibly Worcester could just go, well, it doesn't mean anything. We're not going to do that. They could mail it in, which would mean curtains for Bath. Um, but equally, if I was Worcester and, you know, Sale could put a team out with clear COVID tests, then I would do it and just go and 
smash them to pieces anyway. But then they got to travel to Manchester and, you know, hotbed of COVID and all that sort of stuff. You can understand why they wouldn't in, in current climate, but, you know, it's frustrating. It would be frustrating for if you were a buff player, supporter, having worked so hard at the weekend, even to get a draw against Saracens when nobody really fancied them, um, to then to then miss out because that last game was basically just handed to sail on a plate. Um, the other team you mentioned, Ben, whilst we're, uh, we were talking about rugby, there was Wasps. Um, their run-in or their um, sort of restart has been better than than anyone's um change of coaching obviously all the all the best um and live fast left just middle middle of the the season ish uh before covid and wasps kind of looked down and out they were they were rudderless they they didn't have any uh, they didn't seem to have any fight or bite or anything about them but since since those coaching changes came in, they they've been almost unstoppable, and and obviously they beat Exeter forty five or forty six five at the weekend, not Exeter's full team, but you know all the while they they booked themselves a, a home semi final. Um, Doug, since the recent, have you watched much of Wasps? They seem to have been putting it right in in every game. Um, have you worked much at the Rico or, or seen much of? I've Wasps? done a few Wasp games. Yeah, they. Um... Is it, they, I think they were suffering a bit from what Saints suffered with at the end of Malander. But unlike Saints, they cut the cord quick um, and got somebody in who just seems to have freed them up a bit. Maybe some new ideas. Maybe other teams are finding them you know, slightly more difficult to read. Um, Fekatoa playing all right, isn't he? Yeah, I um, mean... It, it... He's taken a while to get going at Wasps, isn't he? But he now looks like the player that they, you know, they thought they were signing eighteen months ago, two years ago, whenever he came in. Yeah, yeah, and they've, you know, they've benefited from the same thing that Bath benefited from in that they're they're never, they never have never or never seem to have all of their good players fit at the same time. So I think it's benefited them in in terms of actually having some very good players available all at once. And then they've been able to supplement that with quality players from the academy, Barbarian, you know, the... Um, the Willis Ape brothers. Hooker, the Willis brothers. Um, and and kept together the core of the side, really. So I don't think it's particularly hard to work out that no. if you wrote down the squads at the start of the season and said, which ones of these teams do you think are going to be towards the top at the end? You'd probably pick the five or six that are there because primarily they're the ones with the money to buy the players in. And funnily enough, all their players have been fit all season because yeah. they've had no games. So yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me at all, really. Jacob and Mangas look very good, isn't he? There's been, there's been some... I some don't know about this, there. Jacob. I just... I'm not. I'm not buying him. I saw him play for the under twenties, under twenty threes. What is it? I can't remember what it is in rugby. Under twenties, isn't it? England under twenties. And um, I'm, I'm just not sold on him. I think he's benefited since the restart from playing against a lot of crap. It's, you know, he's not. I think the, Jimmy Gopuff is absolutely pulling the strings in that team, isn't he? I think so, I, but also he's got Fekatoa. Um, who else is there in the backs? Minotsi. Oh, he's he's got really really good players around him and a really good pack of forwards. Are and a dominant when and when when your pack is dominating at the level of yeah. what the what has been dominating at because they are turning over ball left right and centre from the Willis brothers and and uh, Brad Shields and yeah, well they're yeah. getting a huge amount of turnovers and you've got Robson who keeps the defence yeah. you know, tucked in. You know, so. and, and that's what Saints have found because you know we've lost that scrum half that teams are scared of and all of a sudden Dan Bigger doesn't look as good and we're not we're not running the ball from 70 metres every time we get it. 
And I, I think with players like Umanga and Marcus Smith, they look unbelievable when the going's good. But as soon as there is a little bit of resistance, they become ordinary. And that's why I think neither of them have really made an imprint or even threatened George Ford, because I'm not sure Jones trusts them to be able to control a game when they're not right on top. And that, I mean, and that's been that's been a criti- almost a, a semi-criticism of George Ford in the past as well, isn't it? Where he has, has looked shaky and, and he's got a lot better at it especially when Farrell's played outside him, it managing those game situations when the pack isn't dominant. And if you've got those young fly halves that everybody's talking about, your Marcus Smiths and your, and your um, Umangas, um, and it, it pisses me off quite considerably that, that people don't talk about Joe Simmons in that sort I don't of get breath. That. But then again, that could be the similar sort of situation. So for a system. That- but then, for from an Eng, from an England perspective, Joe Simmons, I see someone like Joe Simmons as very sort of Owen Farrell esque in his play, a game manager, someone who reads situations as opposed to an opportunist like Smith or or, or Umanga, for instance. And I just I just think you know when when people are talking about young fly halves. There is a lot of talk about Marcus Smith. Oh, Marcus Smith this, Marcus Smith that, you know. And, and no, it literally seems like nobody even considers Joe Simmons one bit. I just find it odd. Well, let's, you know, let's um, wait and see if he's involved in these autumn games because I, I wouldn't be surprised if he is. Uh, but then Eddie never really, you're never going to find out why if he hasn't been picked, that he hasn't been picked. To me, it would make sense to him and Slade. I know they're Absolutely. Not, you know, they're not going to be playing next to each other, but that that would make seem to make sense to me, especially if, well, I don't know, if they pick Simmons at eight as well, with um, however many extra players there are in the pack. If I, I don't know. He just doesn't... I think Jones sees Exeter as a purely system-based team. That's why I don't think that the squad's completely full of their players. I think he picks Slade because he's probably their most naturally talented player. But outside of that, I think he thinks they're completely system-based and I don't think he rates a lot of those players. Yeah, I, 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 which is an entirely fair comment. Which I is think... unbelievable because all of the Saracens players are system players. Nick Azikwe's not exactly done much for Saints since he went there. Yeah, true. I, I think Slade does stand out when you watch Exeter, just um, in that he has, he's, I don't want to say class because all of Exeter's players have got class, but he just, he's got that sort of um, ease that the very best players have, yeah. which I wouldn't say that all of them do. I think um, Simmons was, was brilliant in the semi final. Um, but then most of the extra team was once they once they tired the French out, um, they they really got on top and 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 played really well. And and it was interesting that Baxter did tell them they were tell the commentary team they were going to do that after about twenty five minutes. Well, it's it's not it's not rocket science when you see when you see the way that most French sides have operated in the last twenty years. They pick a big old pack. And then, I mean, how many you can watch? It, it took a bit of confidence to say that on live Absol- TV. Hundred oh, percent, yeah. You know, even if that was the plan, because they were getting, they were second at best the ta- at the time. At the time they spoke to Baxter, they were yeah. right under the cosh, and they um, they were a couple of missed, well, a missed tackle here or there away from almost being out of sight. Yeah, um, and and well, I've digressed a little bit from what I was trying to say, but I think when you watch Exeter. Um, he stands out as the sort of classiest player in terms of, of style. Um, yeah. I think Simmons is, can't do much more and it, it'll be just up to whether Eddie likes the look of him or not. Um, but I don't think on the England front, it, they're going to, 
there's much need to make too many changes. I mean, that side got to a World Cup final. So, you know, Ford and Farrell are both still in their 20s. So I don't think there's three spots. I think it is going to be a, a sort of fight for one spot with those three young players. And, and, and personally, I'd go for Simmons at the moment. Maybe it's it's a style thing that, you know, if they're going to have a a twenty a number 22 on the bench... The, or, or the number 23, the utility back, would be someone like Simmons who could potentially slot into fullback, for instance. Or, you know, and it gives you a little bit more flexibility. I, I don't know, but I mean, I, you know, I, just I didn't want to make this about Joe Simmons because no. well, no, but I think it's a valid, I, I think it's a valid discussion. I, I think my only con- my only thing with Simmons is I don't think that I think he's pretty much sell for sell a carbon copy of of George Ford really I don't think there's any magic about him I think he's just a very functional move your team around the pitch kind of player yeah. and if you look if if you want something different from Ford then you go for a Smith or a Umanga who maybe have a little bit of that sort of maverick about them yeah yeah I mean I would I would put I would put Simmons as a a direct. If you had Ford and Farrell at opposite ends of a scale, I would put Simmons right in the middle of that. Really? Yeah. I think his game management, I think his goal kicking, I think his defensive ability, I think he's got the ability to pick gaps and run the ball as, as he's shown many times. But I also think... He he knows when when to kick, like very much. You know, he he is. I don't think. He's I think. I def- think. Yeah, here's the thing. I think he is the reason, not solely, but a large part of the reason that Exeter have kicked on another level than what they had with Gareth Steenson. Gareth Steenson was an exceptional game manager, an exceptional goal kicker, but he was never ever ever very. The most dynamic fly half. He was a but shipper. He was also he a bit of a swinging gate in defence, right? Yeah, abs- absolutely. But now, but the way Simmons plays, I think that he he is a large part of the reason why Exeter have kicked on. Yeah, I think he's he a lot. large part of the reason. I think also you've got Hog at fullback, which is oh amazing, Johnny Gray gravy to what you had before, and. Johnny Gray is, is to a degree, but I think the fact that um, Johnny Hill has really cracked on, I think he's, I think they always had very functional second rows at Exeter. And I think he's now, he, he probably, he's probably going to be in the England squad, I would say, yeah. um, you know, not this one that's been announced today, but I mean, who really, <laughs> who, who, yeah, but Russ, that's, that's the squad for the Barbarians fixture, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, one of the funnier things I've seen today is on two separate fan sites. You know, I told you I joined a lot of the fan sites um, to share the podcast when I've really cared about who was listening. <laughs> and um, I've seen on two separate of those fan sites today. Oh, I can't believe this England, like genuine posts. I can't believe this England squad. There are no of these teams. And there are, and another post was, there's, why is there none of our players? And I'm like, you fucking stupid. <laughs> like, honestly, retarded at best. I mean, um, they probably are, yeah. <laughs> um, I am I'm surprised, you know, some of the call-ups of players that, you know, you wouldn't have thought, but it's a training squad. Like, li- literally, literally, who cares? Yeah, it is, it is genuinely. Eddie Jones has been watching a game probably on telly he's seen a player have a good half and he thought i'll have a look at him i'll see what his character's like that's all it is um i mean i'm a big fan of i'm a big fan of the rave ribbons getting involved i thought he was a, a big suffer pugwall yeah <laughs> nobody's gonna tell him what to do <laughs> great reference um yeah dave ribbons rave ribbons i thought he was, he was a big south african isn't he well, the the business struggled during lockdown, mate. No one was raving, so he's had to go back to rugby, and England's his only option now. Well, I suppose he. Uh, well, he can't travel, can he, due to COVID? Exactly. So, uh, so now he's after pleasure. Is it pledges allegiance? 
absolute, <laughs> absolute utter nonsense. <laughs> Is there anybody in the training squad that nobody cares about, Ben, that's that's caught your eye a little bit? I'm hoping you're looking at it right now. I, I am. I'm looking at it. Um, not really. I mean, Thorley and <laughs> Thorley and Dombrant. I mean, Thorley and Dombrant. People are hoping they'll be in the in the main squad. Um, Joe Marchant's in there, isn't he? Um, but other than that, it's it's a lot of bit part players, isn't it? I mean, there's. There's a sentence in the report I'm looking at where it's like player A and player B have been preferred to the more established player C. And I don't think any of the th- A, B or C start for their clubs, you know? So it's, it is, it's, he's just having a look at a few players, isn't he? I think Thorley to me is, is an Eddie Jones kind of player. Um, Don Brandt, I'm not so sure is, although I, I've been impressed by what I've seen of Don Brandt. Um, other than that, it's the Saracens guys and a lot of youngsters, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I always like these squads to, you know, it's always fun to go through and say, find the player that you have absolutely no idea existed. I um, do not know who Ali Crossdale is. I'm exactly, sorry. yeah. yeah. And and it's always isn't fun. He, to... Isn't he a Saracens player? Yes, he is. He is, yeah. yeah. But it's always good, fun. good luck to him, by the way. Yeah, it's always yeah. fun. And Jack Clement, wouldn't know him if he shat in my mouth. <laughs> But you'd surely know him afterwards. Yeah. Um, and it's always fun to watch people lose their shit about Piers Francis being in the squad, even though he's probably Saints' best back for the last year and a half to two years. Um, yeah. Like you said, there's um, Jack Singleton. I'm out on Jack Singleton as well, to be fair. I mean, when you take out, what is it, six, six, six or five clubs? Well, half basically half the Premiership, nearly. Yeah, um, you know, gonna be struggling a little bit there for a huge amount of um, good players. <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna say interest <laughs> from from the from the general public. <laughs> I, just, I just hate the general public. But, I mean, um, it's, it's basically no, just think... a stash collection exercise, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> come and come and collect your kit bag. Come and collect your embossed kit bag. Look, look, mum, I got I got an England kit bag. It don't count, Ali. I must admit, I like <laughs> Dingwall. I think Dingwall's a good player. Um, so, yeah. See how they all get on. That's the end of that, then. England, yeah. England discussion. Um, Have we lost our energy by any chance? No. And I'm just musing over, you know, is there some kind of agreement between Umbro and Eddie... Jones to bang out as much of this stash into the general populace <laughs> as they possibly can. Um, I'll pick know, a thirty-man squad. Pick a thirty. I mean, the next squad's going to be like one hundred and twenty man. Fuck it, we'll just give everyone a stash bag. <laughs> just, just every, every English eligible player. Yeah. In first the country, first thirty through the door can play, <laughs> regardless of position. You're yeah. in the squad, but the the proviso is every time you're on TV for the next season you've just got to keep walking behind the camera <laughs> just in a circle <laughs> just keep walking past first 30 through the door at penny hill park yeah. you know get to fight for 23 spots in the matchday squad fucking haskell would be the first one there wouldn't he uh have you have you heard he was on soccer am the other day which yes is still going um hey, he the- put, put away a thousand women he reckons so. And he's, and he's been in a relationship with that Chloe Madeley for what? Seven, Six eight years. years? Seven, yeah. Right, so that makes him... How old is he now? Uh, 35, is he? 36? 35, so 29. So he started putting women away at, what, 17? Yeah. Yeah, so that's nearly 100 a year. One every... One every three days. Three and a half days. Yeah. Prolific, considering he plays rugby on one of those days. <laughs> yeah, you know, church, church on one of the others. Yeah, and don't and don't forget, he's got to do his eight gym sessions a day. 
then you've got to write books it? about cooking and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's an interesting claim, isn't it? I mean, well, anybody... I'm just going to call bullshit on it. I'm calling bullshit on you, Haskell. Any anybody that that's claimed to, you know, have, have bedded X amount of women. Anybody that puts a number on the amount of people they've slept with is clearly times it by ten. So. <laughs> yeah i mean well played the the trouble he had counting italians in malls you <laughs> might figures might not be his strong point there's at least 400 people in that mall sir <laughs> which which by proxy makes it a mall um yeah, and and in the same week that James Haskell brings out a book, another one of our of one of our favourites, Joe Marler, also bought out a book. Surprised, uh, you know. I'd rather read Mein Kampf for getting anally bleached. <laughs> it's very Nazi heavy this week, isn't it? <laughs> is that is that another po- possible title, Nazi heavy? <laughs> oh my word! Um, right, just bet he comes across as such a nice guy. Oh, he struggles, doesn't he? Struggles. He's got struggles. Keep hearing um, good things about Dylan Hartley's book, though. Might have to uh, have a look at that. Yeah, but you love him, so uh, I don't read. <laughs> All right, it's a thing. Sorry about <laughs> yeah. No one looks surprised today. Zach <laughs> couldn't. Just said I don't. Um, let's, Doug. You were at the stoop yesterday. Is this because the London Irish contract has run out? It. Uh... Yeah. The, uh, what do we call it? Yes, the red, the reading ground. It is. Um, I couldn't. The Medeski, and the they're not yet allowed to play at Brentford because I guess they've only just opened that stadium. Yeah, so there's a little bit of crossover. Well, so at next... least doesn't start until next season. Oh right, okay. So they playing at the stu- oh next season as in yeah as middle in of next... November yeah next month. Okay, so um, but obviously you were there yesterday for. Uh, London Irish versus Bristol in a game that kind of didn't really mean anything. Bristol were always going to put it away. Um, but let's talk about... James Haskell. He <laughs> <laughs> was always going to put it away. Um, <laughs> but let's let, let's talk a little bit about a particular incident during that game um, and an interpretation, you know, is it an interpretation of the advantage law or... Because it seems to happen a lot. Like Exeter down in the red zone or any team down in the red zone get a penalty and it's basically try... You either One of three things happen. A team either scores a try on their own merit, therefore advantage is gained regardless of length of time. Uh, they get a penalty try because there are continued infringements and, you know, an infringement occurs that leads to or would have led to a try, like a deliberate knock-on or, or whatever, which means a player would be penalised and then and there's a, a yellow card or whatever. Or they just keep going round and round and round in some kind of death spiral of penalty advantage after penalty advantage after penalty advantage until the team giving away the penalties get so many people yellow carded, uh, there is literally no defenders left. Yeah. Um. And a so, prime example of that happened at the stoop. Yeah, so Max Malin's the uh, Bristol were playing under advantage for um offside, I think it was. Um and Max Malin's broke the line and went in un- under the post and basically dropped the ball out of play. Um and then Carl Dixon called called the play back for the penalty. My argument would be that you've been given the advantage. You're over the try line. It's not my fault you've got dick fingers and you drop the ball. All you had to do was put it down. There is no more. Like, that is an advantage. You are over the try line. If you're given a penalty and you miss the kick, you don't get to take it again because you didn't get any points. The advantage was there. Put the ball down. You score, you score a try. There was no one near him. It just... In, a, in, a, in the world we live in at the moment where everything is analysed and scrutinised and everything's got to be by the book, the penalty advantage law is the single most 
weirdly officiated and under questioned rule in any sport I know. It's just an arbitrary amount of time. I've seen penalty advantages where a team make a 15 metre break and that's it, advantage over. I've seen penalty advantages that go on for five minutes, result in two yellow cards, and then they kick three points. I don't, that there needs, in my opinion, to be some sort of phase limit or yardage limit or something put on it because for me it ruins games just this constant when you're five meters out offside but you you know if there's more than two or three phases there's going to be an offside penalty it's not right down somewhere what constitutes an advantage because for me being over the try line is an advantage it's not my fault if you can't put the ball down it's not even just in the red zone is it because how often do you see teams break the line, they're on a penalty advantage, they break the line, they go 30-odd metres down the field through broken fields, so they, they make a break through the gap. They're now in open field. They get ta- Someone gets tackled by a fullback, for instance, and then um, it gets knocked on, and the referee goes back for the advantage, 30 metres back down the pitch. Yeah. Now, just yeah, because yesterday, penalty, Paul Dixon called a knock-on advantage over... And then Bristol immediately knocked the ball on, and he went, "Oh, I called it over too early. Come on, you can have your you can have your scrum back here." Wow! Which I've never seen that I've never seen that before. I mean, he's a nice guy, Carl Dixon, and I don't want to I don't want to belittle him, but that's fucking shambles, isn't it? Yeah. That's shambles level officiating. Oh well, you know, I called it over to. If you called it over, mate, you called it over. That's it. It's all about that. And if you hold your hands up and say. I did call it over too early, but I called it over. So, whatever. I'm owning this. It's London Irish Scrum. It's all about that, lads. My yeah. mistake. We we own it. We go again. Yeah. You don't turn around. Imagine it. Just it it loses all of its um kind of authority, and you just think, well, what's the what's the point? You know, you lose yeah. confidence in the referee. I mean, at that to, point, me, don't you? to me, knock on advantage should be two phases, and penalty advantage should be at most three, four phases. Uh, but I, you know that may that that may lead to more cynicism from defences in the red zone. But then just kick the penalty the first time you get a penalty. You know, Ben's, Ben's yeah. eerily quiet about all this. Um, good, ben. I, I I basically agree. I think sometimes these advantages do go on far too long, and it's it's almost a dead zone in the game, isn't it? Because you know, it's going to come back unless something happens. And It's like with Exeter, you know, if as soon as they're driving more, if the more collapses, they'll just get another penalty and it'll just be penalty, 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 penalty until they score. And you just hope that there's no yellow cards before they score because then it's just more of the same. I think that does, it does need to be quantified what, how much advantage, whether it's in time or whether it's in yardage or or what it is. Um, it's difficult because, like you say, it will, if you get it, if you get it wrong, you, you know, all the time with these laws in rugby, you get an unintended consequence. So, you know, if, if you said, you know, you've got 90 seconds of advantage just for the sake of argument. Yeah, and at the end of you, that, at the end of that 90 seconds, if you, if you haven't got to a period, if you haven't gained a significant advantage in those 90 seconds, then the referee would just blow the whistle. Or if you made it a phase, so you've got five phases, right? From this advantage, you've got five phases. So if you're picking and going, for instance, yeah. on the try line, you've got five phases to get over the try line. If you don't go over the try line, I'm blowing the whistle for a penalty. I, that's I think it. that's the best way because... At least on the pick and go option, it would um, it would it would create an end point. But I do wonder if you'd get players then just chucking the ball on the floor after the fourth phase or the eighty fourth second. Yeah, or but something. but it wouldn't matter because if after that fifth phase they know they're going to get the penalty anyway, because the referee will just if you've not gained your significant advantage, mm. you just get the penalty. The referee blows the whistle, yeah. get the penalty, so it stops that continuous just the same over and over like four five six seven minutes it just so actually five phases if you think about it but let's say the ball's in the ruck for 15 seconds by the time it gets back and they've said use it so that's a minute 
So you basically, you've got a minute. You've got a minute to, to get over the try. If you're in the red zone, for instance, you've got a minute to get over the try line or I'm having the, I'm burning the penalty. You can then still tap and go and start the whole process again, if you wish, or kick to the corner or give you points. But what I'm not going to do is just go round and round and round, especially in the red zone, just going like on the try line, batter it, batter it, batter it. Because it's just, it, it's not, it's not good to watch, is it? And it's also not, you know, it's not helpful, I don't think, for for the game. It seemed to me, and far be it from me to criticise or question anything like this, but there was a lot of pro-Bristol stuff going on in that game. They needed a bonus point, and let's just say they were given every opportunity to do that. Hmm, interesting. I mean, say no more. It was on. It was on television. Everybody would have. Everybody that wanted to watch it would have got to watch it. So, and a lot of those people primarily would have been Bristol fans. But I mean, you know, it's probably it's almost certainly bullshit. But it, it it there was a lot of. I mean, Bristol scored two pushover tries in the last five minutes. So, you know. You gotta get in position to do that, right? Yeah. I, Conspiracy I was theories. gonna. I was gonna say earlier, and I'm not just doing this to avoid accusations of bias, but I think on the, the balance of the season, it's good that Bristol have made it, um, because they've they've been like this probably the story of the season. Um, you know, they're very rarely out the news, and that might be because some of their fans don't shut up, but. Plucky um, underdog billionaire run rugby. Yeah, club. but you know, they they've <laughs> they've gone for it. They made some exciting signings, and they have you know entertained all the way through. So you know, good good for them for for making it. But you know, I didn't see the game, so I I I'm not going to comment on that. But um, that's decent from a Bath fan, that Ben. Well, you know, real nice. <laughs> Got to get my uh, reputation from somewhere, and I. <laughs> The nice, nice. That was, for, that, that was for Lloyd, um, really. Let's uh, let's move. On. Let's. Oh, can you still hear me? Yeah, you just flipped out for a bit. Okay, so we've been going for fifty-five minutes. Let's uh, let's wrap into some any other business. Ben. I don't really have any, I've got to say. Um, Premiership okay, rugby. Okay then, mate. Okay. Premiership <laughs> rugby could have done the app just as well as the government have, but other than that, nah, I'm good. Nice one. Doug? Um, I'm, I'm trying to keep things positive because of how last week went. Or the week before, or whenever it was, mate. Any other business can be whatever. It, it's already been a hundred times more positive. You know, we mentioned floating rapists <laughs> and um, the Vior Kong. So you know, that, that's <laughs> a weird as far as I can, can tell. We, if anyone from Vior does listen, can you at least consider that for a sevens name, <laughs> please? Please, the Vior Kong sevens. We we could have gone with Charlie Quinns, couldn't we? Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Um, have I got any any other business? Do you, know, do you know what, Russ? For once, no, really. I think life's just ticking along at the moment. It's not too shabby. I've got nothing really to complain about. Um, I wish that uh, divorces were easier to sort out. But other than that, no. Life's pretty good, mate. I, I can't imagine you're the only the only person in the in the country that thinks that, mate. Um, Welcome to the Marriage Over podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly isn't the long marriage podcast. <laughs> and she won't let me see the children, Fernando. <laughs> literally, literally. Oh fucking hell! Um, yeah, well, I suppose with that in mind, I haven't really got anything to say either. I was going to mock Donald Trump and the presidential debates that were fucking... I don't know if you, either of you saw that utter shit show that was, you know... 
The I only loved way it when he called that him a clown. Any... It was fantastic. Yeah. The only way that presidential debate could get any worse is if it were promoted by Eddie Hearn. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Can you imagine Eddie Hearn uh, promoting Matchroom Towers. Towers promoting a um a presidential debate? Just the two of them. Or, you know, like um e- either as a, a proper promotional press conference. Where they do like the square up afterwards. Remember Mallet's Mallet? Yeah, <laughs> very good. Or they do it in a, a Johnny Nelson like um, behind the ropes style. You know, where they just sit a bit like um, Smith and Jones esque, where they just sit across yeah. at a table in, in a dark yeah. room. <laughs> and they have to they have to go, you know what? When it gets to it and we're stood in the ring and I'm facing you down. I'm going to smash your face in and you won't even see it coming because I'll be too quick and it'll be lights out. And I just imagine Biden and Trump, two old men that have forgotten what they've said, not seven seconds before, <laughs> just talking over each other and at each other in a, an absolute hot mess of old sweaty man. I, I think the best way to decide that election will be to feed them both three pints of water and see who lasts the longest before they piss themselves. Loser leaves town. That's not a bad shout. You know who's got the worst hairdo. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm going to shock you, but I like wine. I, I like Joe Biden, and uh, I don't like Trump. So um, <laughs> I I just I think now don't get me wrong. I don't hope he dies, but the. If if anyone was gonna catch COVID, it was Trump, wasn't it? Yeah. Because... It fucking st- it fucking stinks though, doesn't it? Do you not think it stinks of hey, look at me guys, I've uh, I've caught COVID, I've beat COVID, and uh, now I'm bouncing back. I just think because he's he decided back. because he decided it wasn't macho to not get COVID, he's just he's just been asking for it for about three months now. And because uh, they've all caught it, haven't they? All like his, um, all his advisors and the entourage and all that. So uh, yeah, I it's think they've possible. just been yeah that um, that that uh, witch that does the press conferences has got it now. So uh, yeah, it's um, it's a diff- it's a funny old situation, isn't it? But um, I'm not feeling too sorry for him. Put it that way. No, no, agree. I mean. Uh... I can't. I can't see that Joe Biden is the most dynamic president that, that America are ever are ever going to have. Um, but you know, on the other hand, he's not Donald Trump, is he? Mm. So, so I think that you know he might do all right. Uh, that's it, I think. Um, so we've got the Premiership semi-finals this week. Um, whoever gets to play extra at Sandy Park for a uh, a dry reaming. And then wasps at home to either Bristol, um, Bristol or Sale, I guess, isn't it? It must. It's Bristol or Sale. It. Um, I'll be. I'll be there. Are you? Are you're going to be at the Rico? Are you this week? I'm going to be at the Rico for the rugby, and then I'll be at the Rico for the darts later that evening. But stay away from the Sale players, mate. Just call it double bubble. Oh, Matt, double bubble. Videographer on double time. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Got any jobs going? <laughs> you could have had one. When? I t- you, we offered you a job when we came down to Nuki for that Pirates game. I'm not entirely sure that happened, but we'll have, we might have to uh, yeah, discuss, fucking did dis- happen. discuss that offline. Um, no, no one wants to see Russ lay a cable. <laughs> Certainly not in the moment. Out like Talia Telly, the sign of him, <laughs> um, And then uh, <laughs> the week after that is the. Oh, I mean, the European finals are the week after that, aren't they? And you know, Don't apparently, care. apparently, Racing have have got loads of general COVID as well, and that's finals going to be Ashton Gate. Would you work? Do you work on any of the European rugby, Doug? I will not be. No. Because that's at Ashton Gate, isn't it? The uh, the European final. Yeah. So, uh, which you know probably suits Exeter 
down to the ground, 60 the miles at the European, M5. The first European final in years that's really easy for us to get to and no one could go and watch it. I know, yeah. Oh, the irony. Right, let's get out of here. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's not been anywhere near as bad as i was expecting it to be so uh although that might that may be that may be a matter of opinion by the the time you've got this far um thanks for listening uh we'll be back at some point um but yeah it's been a pleasure go well Podcast Network.